Hello, listeners, and welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. I'm your host, Adam Scully, and in this episode, we take a look at players and coaches that we believe have very bright futures in the game. In the last episode, we looked at Sheffield United scintillating Senegalese star Ilaman Njai, who has been ripping it up in the championship this season as the Blades seek to earn promotion back to the top flight. Today, though, we will be dissecting the strengths and weaknesses of one of Norway and the Eredivisie's brightest young talents, Osame Sarawi, who is learning his trade with SC Heronveen in the Dutch top flight. Hailing from Valerenga's academy, Sarawi moved to the Netherlands in the most recent January transfer window and has been a joy to watch at the Abe Leinster Stadium. With the recent emergence of top young Norwegian footballers such as Haaland, Odegaard, Andreas Schelderup and Leo Kjelde, it's time to look at another potential Norwegian national team star. Before we begin, though, please make sure to rate the podcast. Five stars, hopefully. It's greatly appreciated. And it helps us to grow the podcast and to get more and more excellent guests on and to get more and more ears on the podcast, too. So now, without further ado, let's get into our analysis by first speaking to my co-host and TFA recruitment analyst, Brian Marquez. Brian, welcome back to the TFA Scouted Podcast. How have you been? Hello, Adam. I have been really, really well, and I'm very excited to talk about this player. The last week, we talked about a really exciting player like uh, and DI, and right now, I'm more than excited because he's so good, and I'm so hyped with Norwegian players. So, yes, let's take it on. <laughs> Scandinavian general has been such a hotbed of talent recently. Yeah. Um, before we start, though, I just wanted to make a quick note that I had last night. I was watching, I, I've been watching a lot of older games recently to see the difference in tactics from, say, 10 years ago compared to now. Um, I watched last night, and I, call, I, I mean, I texted you, I think, at like 3 a.m. in my time, which was what, about 11 p.m. your time. I never sleep. And anyway, I was watching. Um, Chelsea versus Manchester United in 2015 at Sanford Bridge. Uh, Chelsea won 1-0. It was Mourinho versus Louis van Gaal. And Mourinho played Kurt Zuma in midfield to stop the aerial <laughs> threat of Marouane Fellaini. And it got me thinking, like when I was watching the game, I couldn't help but think that the way teams play now and the way we analyse games, everything's kind of broken down into phases and teams play within phases. So they play differently in the build-up phase. They play differently in the middle third. They play differently in the final third. Whereas everything back then seemed a bit more like just one big phase, and there was tactics for kind of like I mean, when I was watching the game, like Man United didn't play any different. They would just pass out to Smalling, and he kind of carried the ball forward, and then that was they were into the the one phase basically of their attack. Um, it got me thinking though, like putting a court zoom in midfield now wouldn't work because. Again, you have to consider so many different phases because, like, Man United were passing out from the back, but it wasn't, I wouldn't call it a build up phase because Chelsea weren't pressing, and all Smallham would do was carry the ball, he dribbled 10, 15 yards, and then they'd be at the halfway line. Like, and then it was just literally, as I said, just one kind of big phase. I think when you, when teams press now and they're like, you know, like if you play Courtsum in midfield, you'd have to consider when you're pressing high, where he would go and if there would be midfield rotations or if, you know, Fellaini would drift out to the left or the right, things like that, whereas everything was more constant back then. And I think 
a lot of success from managers like Jose Mourinho and Rafael Benitez, for example, who were always seen as tactical geniuses, came from their ability to win individual tactical battles. And what I mean by that is football, tactically, 10 years ago, was more individualistic. So, like, for example, at I think it was the Camp Nou, Rafael Benitez, I can't remember the scoreline, but he I remember, I remember distinctly he played uh, Alvaro Arbeloa at left-back because he was right-footed. And he knew that Messi would play on the right and would cut inside and then he'd be able to defend against Messi with a strong foot. And I just think like now, obviously, from an individual perspective, that would worked back then because it was more constant. Messi would always be on the right. He would always do the same thing. The teams were kind of weren't as fluid as they are now. Um, and it just got me thinking a lot of like, if you did that now, Messi would just rotate positions or, or Danny Alves would get down the right and then Arbeloa was defending against a right foot player with his weak foot. And I think like people always say that managers like Rafa and Jose, the game has passed them by in terms of style of play. And I don't think that's true at all because you can still win a game of football playing a low block and counter-attack. And that's, I mean, there's no, there's no difference there. Actually, what became different was their ability to win matches using individual tactical battles and tactical decisions such as putting Zuma on Fellaini for long balls won them games. Whereas now, because everything's more system orientated and more all all as a collective, that doesn't work as much. And then it got me thinking, like people say, okay, again, yeah, Benitez and Mourinho, the game has left them behind because of the way teams play, passing it from the back and all. I don't know if that's true. I actually think the game's left them behind because their ability to to outwit certain managers by making one tactical decision by putting the player here to mark this player doesn't work anymore. And they've since just become relatively ordinary in the grand scheme of things. And not ordinary, I just mean like they kind of just got lost among the pack, whereas they used to stand out for decisions like that. Anyway, I've rambled on for about four minutes here. It's just something I thought a lot about. I've been watching a lot of old games and you see it all the time. And anyway, I I, I hope I made sense there, Brian. <laughs> No, it makes sense. It makes sense for me because and even if you go on YouTube and watch Mourinho masterclass against Barcelona yeah. with Inter, he's talking so much about individual uh, battles, yeah. individual battles against Messi and how they prevent that. And if he, they prevent that, so then they're going to win the game. Obviously, he is a manager of that loves team coordination and teamwork and all that. But the, the games before were tactically planned like that, like to go and individually won a battle. And right now, at this point of football, if you go and, I don't know, and this happened so much in the World Cup when they were uh, the teams that were marking Mbappé, for example. Uh, and they, all the defensive plan was how to stop Mbappé. Yeah. So, it was a bad plan because then Mbappe could turn the game to the other side and France yeah. had much, so much quality on the other side as well. And they could attack through that wing. And even if that wing just didn't work, then Mbappe was free on the other one. So he has failed. So you cannot plan right now a game like they planned before, like to mark 
I don't know, Hazard. I was going to say, I, I, I thought that straight away. And the Herrera versus Hazard at Old Trafford in 2017. Yeah, you exactly. think like within the block, I think it was a 4-5-1 or 4-3 United played. Even within that, yeah. it wouldn't work as much because Hazard would just drift over the other side and like think. And then what? Are you gonna push Herrera all the way over the other side and then you lose the balance yeah. in the field? And it's like we, managers like exactly. Jose and like Rafa were t- stood out because they were so tactically brilliant and things like that. But because of the way the game progressed, it's almost like they've just yeah. got lost among the pack because you things like that just don't really work anymore. And it's not that their style of play has been outdated; it's that their ability to get one over making these individual tactical decisions have become not obsolete but very difficult to get right yeah I think it was England the only team I literally uh, watch play so good against France in the World Cup because they didn't focus their plan to Mbappe yeah only to Mbappe so they play a really good defensive game that and right now you cannot like defend in that way because you have to create so much balance and so much much a, a teamwork and team coordination behind like that one with Mycon I think it was Mycon or it was no I think it was Sanetti against Messi from Mourinho so uh, yes I think yeah. so or it could have been it was Zanetti maybe I think Zanetti yeah, was in midfield it was Christian Kivu left back I believe I could be wrong yeah it, it, it was a tactical masterpiece by Mourinho to defend Messi with three players and it, it, it isn't like closing Messi with three players around him but to close Messi like first the left back and then the midfielder is going to jump and he, he cooling he, he if, if the midfielders go and make a mistake and Messi yeah. pass him then it goes the center back so that's kind of things that change throughout the time and I really think the player we're going to talk about today in a way is that kind of is that kind of player that you as a manager say okay we have to be so much careful of him yeah that's a great segue it's your best ever segue it's a better segue than I could do I really like that Um, yeah of course we are going (laughs) to discuss the whole point of the podcast discuss this player I just wanted to make note of my observations the last couple of days when I'm watching football but anyway we will talk it's a good discussion we could talk about it in other podcasts well I was going to say that I was like if there was interest I'd love to do a podcast on it because it is quite interesting Um, let's discuss the player of topic then Shirawi and we did say that Scandinavian football is such a hotbed of talent at the minute. I mean, even when you look at Norway, as I mentioned in the introduction, you have Erling Haaland, you have Martin Odegaard, and you have players like Leo Hiel, the highly rated <laughs> player as well. I, I believe he's with Leeds United. Um, such a, uh, I mean, Andreas Sheldrup as well. I mean, such a hotbed of of wonderful talent. Shirou is just another addition to that. I, uh, he can play, I don't believe he's made his international debut yet, his full international debut, so he can play for Morocco still, I think. Um well, he's played for Norway's underage sides, so yeah. chances are he'll play for Norway's forest team if they call him up. Let's discuss the style of play then, Brian. He is the type of player I quite like, and we've kind of discussed similar enough players like Bilal Al-Kanous in the, in the past. He's quite a small player, but extremely technical and just a wonderful player, and he's so easy on the eye. Talk to me about his style of play. Yeah, the thing is, um, with Sharawi, with I, which I really, really like this type of player uh, playing as a wide winger or playing inverted. And he has the ability and the capacity to play in these two channels, you know, in the central zones and in the wide zones, because he's normally a left winger, which has been used as well as an eight, where 
his attacking style and attacking ideas are so good. Let's talk about how he plays as a winger because his dribbling technique is so good. He is uh, short, he has a low center of gravity, but the way he dribbles in small spaces is so good. And, and in the small spaces, I refer to, I don't know, in the half, half spaces, maybe receiving between the lines, and then he has two players. He can turn the players with a half turn or maybe the full turn, mm -hmm. then attacking the, the, the penalty box. But that's one thing he does. But I really like him when he's out wide. He receives the food and he's so explosive. And his dribbling ideas of staying static, like separated a few meters from the opponent, like saying, okay, mm -hmm. I'm going to take you on but I'm waiting to you to see what you're going to do to me. So he's like static, moving his body, moving feet, moving his foot, rolling the ball, stepping on the ball. And then his change of pace to attack the depth of the field and penetrate the box is amazing. It's really good how he can go outside or inside with such dynamism and so much um, energy, mm -hmm. but not not even energy, but creativity, because he's not predictable at all. Not only because he goes outside or inside, it's how he goes. You know, he can make step overs and with one leg, with two legs, then he's going to the inside with his body faint, but he's going outside, going fast, going slow, and then activate and uh, his change of space. I really like this kind of players that go with the ball, giving a lot of touches to the ball, making these little changes of pace. I don't know if you get me on this, like yeah, driving the ball, giving so much touches. It's something Messi obviously does at his best. I'm not comparing Sharawi with <laughs> Messi, but it's something he has showed the world that if you have you're going to carry the ball this is the way, best way to do it because these kind of players that make the ball long and they're running you know without the ball they give a long touch to the ball and they are running to space to get another time with the ball so i really like that thing but i as a not football fan but as a lover of football and obviously of wide wingers, as I have said in this podcast, I really like these touches on the ball, like running and touching, running and touching, running and touching. And then the pause he gives to take on a player is really good. Well, I said this to you before the podcast started, that while they're very different players, and I, I need to make note of that before people think comparing them, they're not, they're very different players. He His ability to stop and wait for the opponent is very reminiscent of Anthony at Manchester United where he'll either put his foot on the ball or he'll drag it back or do a ball roll or body feints where he'll he'll he won't touch the ball he'll just drop a shoulder and make the defender think then he'll wait for the defender to make the first move and then he'll make an action to dribble past them I love that um I know Anthony gets a lot of stick for it in England because I don't know why I think pe people in England don't like skill I'm not sure um obviously uh, again, I'm not going to speak for everyone. It's, it's a type of player I enjoy, and I love seeing Shirawi do that. I love the fact that he's so confident in his own ability to take players on. That he'll receive the ball, 
say the fullback will come over to him or a defender and he'll put his foot on it and he'll drag it back, he'll drag it back, he'll drag it back, he'll wait, they'll step in, then he'll push it to the left or to the right and he's gone. Um, they're really exciting players to watch. I do want to say as well, you obviously spoke about him being a left winger. He can play a number of other positions as well. He can play as a 10 yeah. and as a number eight and as an yeah. eight, especially as an eight. I think he's, uh, I've watched him, I've watched him as an eight, you've watched him as a winger, so there's a nice balance there. I would like to see him as a 10, just to see. Um but obviously, I can only really speak about his ability as an eight. As an eight, though, he loves to dominate that left half space and make those little balls in between the the winger and the full or the the, the fullback and the central defender, or little balls and little dinky balls into the box as well. Again, like he's such a he has such a low center of gravity that when he turns his back, he's able to quickly push it and and dart away from the defender. It's a, he's a joy to watch. Uh, we'll talk about his creative ability first. Um, at well, he is quite a creative player. We haven't really seen it as much at Heronveen, although he's only been at the club a couple of weeks. It's going to take him a little bit of an, a period of time to adapt, which I'm I'm, I'm sure. I mean, that's logical. It's normal. He's still only a young lad as well. He hasn't been starting week in week out either. I, I would I would like to see him start week in week out. I think he's absolutely fantastic at Heronveen. But yeah, at in Norway, sorry. I think he created something like uh, an expected assists before he moved. This is sorry, so this is this season still, but it's before he moved in January. He created something like six six expected assists. They finished. I think he got maybe three or four assists. So unlike in Joy, which we talked about last week, where he had an X an expected assist of like two point two five, and and a real assist of seven shows how good Sheffield United were actually converting the chances. It's kind of the opposite. Like even overall this season in Heronveen and at Villarenga, he uh, Villarenga, sorry, he his expected assists are seven point four according to Wisco. He's registered six assists, so there's a it's not too much of an underperformance, but it does show that the conversion rate from his from his chances aren't quite there. And as well, I'm looking at a shot assist map right now, and obviously this is an audio podcast, so I can't I can't show that. So many were inside the penalty box. It was not as if they were bad chances. They weren't like they weren't balls to the edge of the area or outside the area. They were mainly inside the box. I think there was only a couple that were outside. So it just shows that the conversion rate from his teammates isn't quite there. And obviously, considering the teams he played for, with the fullest respect, the quality of their finishing isn't quite there as well. Um, talk to me then about his chance creation from the... We I obviously spoke about the stats, but talk to me about the eye test, how he likes to create chances. Yeah, if, if you go to the eye test and you watch him play at Valerenga and... Especially now at Heraven, it's crazy because sometimes he's going to make a one-two combination to get inside the box. Teammates, obviously, I'm I don't want to talk bad about this team. No offense for them, but mm-hmm. sometimes the teammates really doesn't create that final touch of the one-two combination to make him inside the box, and he attacks the space so well after releasing the ball. So. Yeah, he's, he's playing under a team, again, because of Valerenga, he was the most creative player with uh, Odin Thiago home, um, which is amazing as well. And I made a piece for him, for the magazine. He did so make a piece, I was going to say that. I was going to yeah. plug that. Good plug, yeah, you made it for the magazine recently. So please so, go check so that if, out if you want to read that. Yeah, so if the listeners want to check out Odin Thiago home, they can go to the magazine. <laughs> yeah. Brian's doing a better job. Me. You're doing a better job of hosting this than I am. I, I'm, I'm slacking here. <laughs> I'm spamming my job right now. Yeah, yeah, I'm slacking. I'm slacking. <laughs> so, yeah, he, 
he explained on their teams where he has the creative uh, like for main job. He he's the main creative player and now at Harriman as well. He's playing with good players, obviously, as Anas Tahiti, which I love him. He's a really good midfielder. But yeah, he's this kind of dynamic and explosiveness that you need sometimes, this kind of change of pace, turning a press, it's something he has. And his teammates obviously try to play with him and sometimes, yeah, they they really make the space for him and the pass for him or they are in the good positioning to make him himself make the pass. But sometimes not. And if you want to, if you want to see Sarawi, the first thing you have to watch him is besides he's not so strong, maybe in musculature, mm. he needs to develop a little bit more, is his press retention. Because of his dribbling and because of his turns, he's so agile and flexible. So he's really, really, really good at it. And that's why he can play as an eight sometimes in the left house space, receiving with his back and then turning because he knows how to play with a player, marking him, annoying him and suffocating him on his back. And then on the wing, he's so creative. But how he creates chances is the thing we want to talk about, about him. He's a player, for me, he's not a player that can make uh, this kind of through passes, um, like long passes into space mm. or breaking the lines. He's more into creating chances with his dribble and taking on players and then being so quick on the edge of the box, like combining in one, two or three touches maybe with players is something he can make as well on the middle third, not only in the final third, but he, he can make his team progress with his ball carrying and quick release to then combine with his teammates. He can go from inside to the outside, combining with players and then him taking the outside space. So off the ball, his off the ball movements are very good because he's not only a wide winger. He can be an inverted winger. He then can be on the central zone. He can take the striker spot and score goals. So he's really interesting because of that, because of the off the ball movements. You know, how dynamic he is to release the ball and then run to space or offer a passing option to his teammates between the lines, trying to be a bit brave and to progress, yeah. to make progression for his team. Yeah. I think it's also I want to mention that um, when you spoke about his ability to play as a winger, of course, and we also said he can play kind of as an A. Yep. Even even if, because when he plays as an A, he dominates that left half space. But he, as a winger, depending on the system, he can also come inside into that half space anyway. It just is, is a matter of the manager, the coach's preference. Um, and he's so good in those little pockets of space because his his touch is excellent. His close control is wonderful. As you said, yeah. sometimes if he gets pressed, he's... And again, it, we'll get on to weaknesses. Obviously, I I feel guilty and, and I, feel, I feel guilty for using a lack of core strength as a weakness because sometimes players haven't filled out fully or they, you know, they're they're not as physically big anyway. You know, there's ways around that, obviously. But we spoke about in the last podcast, Eden Hazard and his hips and the use of that. Sometimes I think Shrewi could be a little bit stronger. Um, 
Yeah. And I always think that if he comes to a league like in, in Germany or England, he'd struggle a bit because of that. So that is something he needs to work on. But we'll get on to weaknesses. But I don't want to focus on the weaknesses yet. Let's discuss uh, his goals for a minute. Funny enough, he is right foot. He, he, he's a bit two foot too, actually. He's quite good with both feet, as you can yeah. see when watching him. But since the start of the season, he scored more goals with his weak foot, with his weaker left foot than his right foot. <laughs> I thought that was quite interesting. Um, obviously, it doesn't tell you a great deal about the actual where the goals have been scored. They might have just been tap-ins, and then obviously it's much easier. But yeah, he scored more goals with his left foot than his right foot. Uh, talk to me about his goal scoring than than Bryant. He's not obviously his role isn't to score goals. He's more of a tricky player, a bit more creative. Yeah. He, he chips in with some goals. He's already scored for Heron Veen, which is uh, he yeah, scored he, he scored one scored in something like seven appearances, but he scored six for Villarenga uh, this season yeah. as well. So he's on to seven for the season in the league. Yeah, and Villarenga is in a team that is fighting for a top spot yeah. on the Norway elite. Elite Serien, so it's something really, really amazing and interesting to see about him. Uh, at Harrowen, he has scored. He scored a really good goal with his left foot, a really powerful strike. Yeah. So yeah. inside the box. So yeah, his goal scoring ability. Mainly, he has this kind of play that he's going to the inside, then outside, and he's taking shots to the near post mm-hmm. with his left foot, trying to not make the keeper or looking to even um, not the not the near post, but trying to like make this diagonal shot, looking for the far, far post, post in that position. It's a good skill, yeah. though, isn't it? Like to be able yeah. to go both ways. So if you're up against a fullback, you're driving inside it in the penalty area. You can drop your shoulder and go on the inside, try a right-footed shot over the far post, or you can quickly flick it to your left and go with your left foot and see if you can squeeze it into the near post or through the keeper's legs or even go across goal and maybe hit the post and go in. Yeah, I really like players, wingers mainly, that does that, that goes to the inside, then cut to the outside, and they're taking a shot with their weak foot. So that's kind of a really good uh, ability and a tool to have as a even as a manager to have a player doing this it can solve a player in seconds uh, solve a, a game sorry in seconds with a, with this kind of shot so in his goal scoring he doesn't take too many shots because he retains the ball much than the necessary so he's inside the box and he's given a few touches of that wasn't necessary and he lost the ball and he's not that direct maybe to take the shot. I, I remember watching this week um, Keito Nakamura, which is a lovely player playing at uh, Austria right now with Lask. Mm-hmm. And he's so direct. He's the kind of winger that grabs the ball and wants to take a shot uh, inside the box. Sharawi is n- not too much into like that. He's trying to retain the ball and watch the pass mainly he's trying to get into space with a one-two combination and then he's going to take the shot. So he has to score really good goals. He scored seven with Valerenga. Now he has scored with Haddenven. But for me, it's the kind of player that really takes on so much players and then makes a cutback pass to his teammate. Mm-hmm. You know, that Will kind you- of threatening ability to carry the ball into the box. You can see that in his assist map, his shot assist map, there's so many cutbacks, like from yeah. getting into a deeper position in the box and cutting, just sliding it back, which is obviously 
you see more and more in the modern game because it's a great way of. I mean, when when you get to that byline position, the back line are, are going to drop towards their own goal to protect that, and then that means you can square it back behind them because they're going the opposite direction. You're you're playing in the opposite direction of their flow as as Paul McGuinness once called or said it on the podcast with me before a couple of months back, um, former Manchester United coach for years. He calls it flow. It's like when you're getting to the byline, the back line drop, they're going in a different direction. Then you change your flow to go the opposite way. You cut it back, player runs on goal. Manchester City do it all the time. Arsenal do it all the time. So many top clubs do it all the yeah. time. He is really good at that. And as I said, when you look at the shots this map, you can see how many chances he's actually creating from those, especially on the left, you know, getting near the byline or near around there, taking on a player and then cutting it back across for someone else to take a shot. And the thing I like is he's so energe- energetic. Mm-hmm. So maybe he gets inside the box. He's dribbling in this time. It's not that clean because some players have been touching the ball and trying to um, win the possession. But he's really energetic to get the ball again and get the ball again in that kind of situations to try to end the play, to conclude with a, I don't know, with a pass, with a shot, with everything. Not mainly a shot, sorry, but yes, with a pass, an assist and a cutback. He's trying so much to get the ball and get that assist, if, like eliminating players mm-hmm. that are defending him. So it's kind of good to have a player that doesn't give up on that kind of, of place. Yeah. I do want to say as well before we move on to his weaknesses that he has sixty five or he has a sixty five percent dribble success rate this season. So he is a really, a really good yeah. dribbler. So it's it's such a great skill to have, and that means he wins the vast majority of his offensive duels when he's taken a fullback on or a defender in general. Um, I re- I read an interview with Shirawi and he was asked about what his own weaknesses are. The interview was very blunt. I don't know if that's just his personality or it was edited down to make it more snappier. He said his two weaknesses are aerial duels and tackling, which is quite, it's not vague, like it's quite understandable, but do you think that's a fair assessment? It's so unfair to call or demand this kind yeah. of player to go yeah. to a aerial. You, he can jump and he, yeah, okay, that that's what he's trying it. But he obviously is not going to reach like, I don't know, well, imagine he, imagine he goes up for a duel, but yeah, with, with or a, or a Harry Souter from Leicester, who's six, yeah. six, six, seven. I mean, come on, like you know. So, his weakness, the real weakness, because I, I don't, I'm not taking the the aerial duels. Yeah, he, uh, the defensive, uh, maybe his defensive profile. For me, as a winger, he's very dynamic. He chased the ball. He chased the player down the flank. He pressed with very good intensity but sometimes he is just running you know he's not making this kind of press that good and that's why maybe playing as an eight he's going to need time to adapt because of his defensive mm-hmm. issue he's maybe a bit lost playing on the middle with when, when he has to defend you know when, when he has to defend obviously he's a bit lost because when you're playing as a winger you're running and running and running and running on the ball and off the ball, and even more if you're pressing high, because the winger is the one, the first one that defends with the striker, and you, you have to be very intense to try and pick the ball. Something, something I really think he has to get better on defensively as well is his tackle. 
as he said on the interview, yeah. his tackling sometimes feels a bit uh, aggressive and a bit mm -hmm. out of time. And even sometimes he doesn't try it. So like he's running, but he's not tackling because maybe he has this fear of, okay, it's my weakness and I don't want to make that, you know? Yeah. So those kind of defensive things and on the ball, the thing I said, obviously, sometimes he retains the ball a little bit more and he has to shot and he gives a touch and it wasn't the moment to give that touch and he gets dispossessed. So, yeah, those kind of things that a young player that is so explosive and dynamic has to correct. Mm -hmm. No, I agree. And when you talked about his aggression, I fully agree with that as well. He's really aggressive defensively, whether that's a good thing or a bad thing. I think sometimes he'll learn. But sometimes you need to be a bit more yeah. level-headed. If you lose the ball, if, if you're trying to counter pressure, you need to be a little, a little bit more level-headed. You need to have a good understanding of what's around you. So if you're going out to press, you need to, you need to, you need to time that right. Because if you, if you don't time that right, then there's a passing lane open behind you that they can just quickly play a third man pass into, you know, a bit to the right, and then he plays into where you originally were, and then they're in behind the turning. Um, and I noticed as well. I said to you before the start of the podcast, I noticed sometimes when he would mistime his jumps to jump out of the midfield line. Playing as an eight, I mean, because I, I watch him as an eight, you watch him as a winger. Playing him yeah. as a central midfielder, I know sometimes he would time his jumps wrong and then that would leave a disconnect with the rest of the midfield, which could be played into. And I think obviously that's something that will be ironed out of him with age. And I think at the minute, though, he's playing in a really good league. And maybe I'm wrong. I actually want to get your take on this. He's playing in a good league, I think, in my opinion, to develop technically. Is that fair? Yeah. Yeah, it's a fair assessment. It's a really good league to develop technically, not only because uh, you have like this kind of freedom to do it, but you have so much minutes because managers really believe and young talents and teams believe in that. And players are so creative in, in the Eredivisie. Mm -hmm. You know, they are so good technically and they are so free to do to show their skills so it's a really good league for him to be developing right now. Yeah. Oh, I agree. I, at the minute, he... Obviously, we, we want to see him get a little bit more game time. I believe at the minute, he's out of seven games, or seven appearances for Heron V, and he started three games. So he's still yeah. a bit of a rotation player. I'd like to see him start a lot more, and I'm sure in time we will. So maybe the next question I'm going to ask you is about his future, you know, potential leagues he could end up in. Um. Maybe I'm asking this a little bit prematurely, but it's still an interesting discussion. I like to have it on the podcast just to see what we believe the levels of the player are, the next stage of progression is for them. Where do you see him going in the future? Because as we discussed off air, the Eredivisie can be quite a tricky... Yeah. It's a bit of a landmine, kind of, because you'll either discover a gem, like we see at Man United with Lissandra Martinez, or you'll get, or, or even now at Liverpool with Cody Gakpo, or else you'll get, you know, a Memphis Depay who will come to England yeah. and, and struggle. So where is the next stage of progression for a player like Shirawi of his profile? Where do you think is the next league he could go to? He wants to play in a top five league. He's openly admitted that before in an interview, in the same interview I was discussing a few minutes ago. So what kind of, what league would best suit him and teams within that league? I don't see him like leaving the Eredivisie for the next two or three yeah, years maybe. I, I, agree, I agree. Because first of all, he needs to develop his 
physical attributes to play on under this kind of leagues. Like uh, for me, the leagues that I see him feeling the most right now are Germany and France, and it's all because he's a style of play. He's like this kind of winger who dribbles and he's and he's so explosive and tries to be direct to space. You know, mm. the France and Germany plays too much with this kind of players. So yeah. it could be a very good league to develop, but are they are two very physical leagues. So I don't see him like living in that time that I told you. First of all, because of, of the physical attributes. And second of all, because I really like him. I really think he's an exciting talent, but I don't see him ready yet to leave Netherlands. And I really want to see him on a full season on the Netherlands because as um, I think we said on the start of the podcast, he moved to Herenven on the January transfer January window. January transfer window, yes. He did. So um, I, I think he needs this season, a full season then on the end of the visa, then he has to see how he has developed in this kind of things. And then if he stays another season at the end of the visa with Herenven or with another team that maybe could be interest, another mm-hmm. team like, I don't know, Feyenoord, PSV, you know, this kind of teams that has to be an upgrade for him. And but I really will love him to will love to watch him, sorry, um at the Bundesliga or League One mm-hmm. just because of his playing style, because I know he he's so vertical and he's so um dynamic to play on, on these leagues that need so that pace and that explosiveness. And I think playing in, the, in, in Germany would help him develop tactically a lot yeah, more than a lot, a lot of Iron, but... yeah. Mainly on his pressing, because yeah. obviously Germany is a, a country that is now pressing so high, and, and he, Germany and is... even with dealing with pressure from behind and how quick the game yeah. is as well, things like that he yeah. can adapt to as well. Yeah, I think it's a very good league to to develop in the in the following years at Germany. So again, I'm going to spam this, but in the next TFA Scouted magazine, Sharao is there with mm. mine report so yeah you could you can see which teams i'm thinking for sharawi in the next three years <laughs> that's free to download by the way so please do check it out when i mean it's free to download there's 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 no reason you shouldn't um we'll wrap up the podcast now then that was i mean for the listeners at home if you get the chance to watch sharawi please do he is genuinely a really excellent player from a technical point of view still some issues he needs to iron out of his game especially tactically but that will come with time he's still a young player I hope we do see him in a top five league very soon as Brian said I think right now the Dutch league is the best place for him and I think he should stay here and being for at least a season or two or maybe more and then we'll see him move to one of the top five leagues Brian thank you so much for coming on the podcast today I really enjoyed this chat and to all the listeners at home I hope you enjoyed as well make sure to tune in on Friday for another regular episode of the TFA podcast. Also make sure to rate the podcast too and share it with your followers, friends and family as it really helps us to grow. Thank you all for listening and goodbye for now.